Thank you, brother. We are so excited to be with you here today, and and you're just an awesome crowd, and and Tracy and um, Pastor Baird have just told us so many wonderful things about you, and we're just so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, and we're so glad to have um, Mike Freeling with us. He's our son uh, in the faith, and, and we're so glad that he's here with us. He's a great guy. And he is single, ladies. He is oh, single. Man. He is oh, single. <laughs> he is a great, great Christian man that is single. <laughs> He is a wonderful guy, and <laughs> he is just a ladies' man. He is just... He's blushing, too. But we are just so excited to be here, and I am so excited to hear the good report yesterday from the, from the conference that my husband took part in, and, and everywhere he goes where he does these conferences... The wives usually come up to me a few weeks later and say, I don't know what your husband told my husband, but it is a definite change in our home. And so that is so exciting when we hear things like that, to know that 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 ministry is in the will of God and that he is working through my husband in that area. And the sermon today will be kind of a continuation of um, to the husband and to the wife um, and, and I'm sure that will also minister to your spirit as a couple and will encourage you and, and your marriage. So we're just so excited to be here. I want to thank your pastor for allowing us to be here, and I want to thank you guys. We had a marvelous time yesterday, amen? Uh, there were some things said that probably have never been spoken in this sanctuary. <laughs> but I just tell you, I enjoyed ministering to you and, and uh, just enjoyed uh, the honesty and the openness. And I just want to thank your pastor and, and Tracy for uh, this opportunity to come because uh, I take it very seriously when a, when a pastor opens his pulpit up to me because I have opened mine up to people that I wish I had not opened it up to before. And uh, I, I don't like having to clean up after people. Uh, I asked Pastor Baird last night as we went to eat, had he received any death threats since yesterday morning? And he said he had not, so that's good. That's always good. Uh, but we want to thank you from the folks at Legacy Outreach in Spartanburg who uh, are sharing me with you this morning. Uh, uh, I, don't know who's, I don't know who's preaching at my church this morning. I have not I've got a clue. Uh, I asked my associate to pre preach, and he handed it off to somebody else, and they may have handed it off to somebody else, so I don't know. Uh, I may not even have a church when I get there, but I may, I may be coming back down here and <laughs> living with you. I don't know. But... Uh, it's just wonderful to be in the house of God where the Word of God is appreciated. I know you're a pastor, and I know that, that you, you receive the Word of God. I know you get the Word of God here. And I, I want to uh, just uh, commend you on, on being a Word people. Not everybody wants the Word. Not everybody wants the truth. Uh, your guys yesterday showed me they want the truth, even if it hurts a little, you know, uh, too many times I think we, we get the, we, we have things that, that God wants to deal with us about. And rather than say, okay, Jesus, put me to sleep, lay me on the operating table, cut out of me whatever doesn't need to be there. Go ahead, it may be painful, but it's better for me in the long run. Before, but instead of taking that, that, that outlook, what we do today is we say, uh, Dr. Jesus, uh, would you just touch up the x-ray and let me go home? And, and I thank God that you're not a people like that, that, that you, you want to hear the Word of God. And, and today I, I want to bring you the Word of God in a, in a fashion that will kind of just kind of dovetail, guys, with what we ministered yesterday. And uh, you ladies today, anytime you want to stand up in the seat and shout, I don't know, maybe not stand up in the seat, that, Pastor Baird might not like that, but if you want to shout, you can, okay? Because I'm going to give you ladies plenty of things to shout about. And I know you guys, please forgive me. I know this looks like beat up on men weekend, okay? But 
that's not what it is. There, I want to tell you, the, the priest of the home are the key to revival in this house and every other church and in our homes. It's the priest of the home. We hold the key. And today as we share some things from the Word of God, some that you may have heard, some that you may not have heard before, uh, I want to just, just let you know that I ain't mad at you. <laughs> God's not mad at you. Guys, I want to tell you some things that's going to liberate you, and I'm glad your wives are here today to hear it. And if you are a woman here and you don't have a husband yet, get the CD and on your first date, give it to him. Then you'll know whether he's worth you investing any more of your time and money into. Because, you know, you know women, women have to pay for stuff now when you go out. You know, there ain't no more of this, you know, the guy's going to take care of it. You know, what do you want to eat? Well, what can you afford? You know, so. Well, let's stand today in honor of the Word of God, please, and let's turn to a very hard book to find, the book of Genesis, chapter 2. <clears throat> I'm sorry I don't have the Midwest accent like your wonderful pastor does. He has such a radio voice, don't he? I got a hog-calling voice. But God uses it, I guess. Genesis chapter 2, beginning to read verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Would you say that with me? To see what he would call them to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living, living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this opportunity to share with these precious people today. I pray, thank you, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, that we might see, our ears that we might hear. Lord, I thank you that they would not hear my voice, but the voice within my voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that we be set free, liberated, and not just go away blessed, but go away changed. Lord, not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word as well. And I thank you for what you're going to do and what you have done in this special place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk with you today on the subject, the wife you have made with your words. The wife you have made with your words. The wife that you see every day is a byproduct of your words to her. The wife that you see every day is a byproduct of your ministry or lack of it to her. Now I realize not everybody here is married. Some of you want to be that aren't. Some of you are that don't want to be. Some of you are going into one. Some of you are coming out of one. Some of you are in one. But we can all learn from this for your next one or to show you what you might have done wrong in the last one or how you can fix this one. So there's something for everyone, okay? But primarily, I want you guys to hear what we say, and I want you ladies to be witnesses of it so you can remind them of what they heard. Amen. Can I say, can I hear an amen, ladies? All right. Now, I want us to look at several things here in outline form, and the first thing that I want us to consider from this text is I want us to look at God's purpose for Adam and Eve. God's purpose 
for Adam and Eve. Can you say purpose? God's purpose for Adam and Eve. Now in verse 18, it says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Eve's purpose was to complete Adam. Now guys, I know we don't like to hear any such notion of that. But Eve's purpose was to complete Adam. The word alone here in the Hebrew means solitary, divided, or part of the body. So what the Word of God is telling us here is that Adam by himself was divided, incomplete, and only apart. And it says, God said, I will make him a helper. Now the word helper there in the Hebrew is the word ezer, E-Z-E-R, and it means aid, help, or life saver. Y'all hang on here with me today. Life saver. That woman is your life saver, your completer. Now Adam was absolutely unaware that he was incomplete. And most guys today are unaware that we are incomplete. That we need a wife to complete us. I'm a self-made man. No, 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 I'm sorry. There's no self-made men. We need our wife to complete us. Okay? So uh, Eve's purpose was to complete Adam. Now what was Adam's purpose? Verse 19 and 20. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable for him. Adam's purpose was to name the animals. Now that don't sound all that really, really important, does it? You know, goat, chicken, bird. Flea, fly, rhinoceros. Notice that God did not name the animals. He created them, but He didn't name them. Adam named the animals. And the word name here, in the, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Only Hebrew I know runs a coat shop on Main Street in Spartanburg. So I'm not trying to impress you, but I want us to see the meaning of these words here so that we can see what the word means. The Bible is a book made up of books, made up of chapters, made up of verses, made up of sentences, made up of words. And if you don't understand the words, you don't understand the book. Okay? So let's see what the word name here, to see what he would name them. The word name here means a mark of individuality. It means character. The name name here means to purpose or to determine. Wow. To see what he would name them. God brought the animals to Eve to see what he would name them. What he would name them to determine their purpose and their individuality and their character. What Adam called each animal determined what its purpose was, determined what its character was, and determined what its individuality was. And in practicing naming the animals, God was simply letting Adam practice to get ready to call and name and give identity and purpose and individuality to the most precious creation he would ever create that he was about to literally lay in Adam's lap, a woman. Is everybody still with me? So God's purpose for Adam and Eve, her purpose was to create Adam, his purpose was to Name the animals. Now, secondly, let's look at the precision of the building of Eve. The precision of the building of Eve. Verse 21 and 22a. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman. The precision of the building of Eve. Now, when he got ready to make Adam, he just went over there, piled up a little bit of dirt, and went, there you are. Worms, 
manure. Well, there weren't any manure. Weren't any worms either. But it was dirt. Adam was fashioned out of dirt. Eve was built from living flesh. Now follow me here. Adam was formed as model 101. Eve was model 201. Adam's DNA was very simple, dirt. Eve's DNA was very, very complicated and more complex. You got it. If you could picture two panels, one this is man, and it's got an on-off switch. That's man. Picture this other one. Woman. It's bells, whistles, lights, meters, switches, slides. Complex. And the part that God take, took from Adam to make her is very significant as well. Her, his rib. I know you've heard this, so this isn't really anything new to you, I'm sure. But, but the rib came from the side chamber. And, and the reason he used the rib, and I, I picked this up somewhere. I don't know where I got it, so I don't know who to give credit for. But as Pastor Kevin and I have already agreed, that we will plagiarize anything or anytime, anywhere. Because <laughs> there is nothing new under the sun. Not from his head to rule over him. Not from his feet to be trampled on by him. But from his side to be equal with him. From under his arm to be protected by him. And close to his heart to be loved by him. Now that, that's the precision. With precision, God, God put the man to sleep went to a specific place, got a specific thing, specifically, precisionly made her rather than just pile up and there you are. It was, a, it was a complex deal. With precision, she was made. The word made there in your margin may say built. Built. Eve was built. Okay? I don't mean that kind of built, but Built. Maybe she was. I know when she woke up, Adam said, wow, man. That's where, no, okay. So we looked at God's purpose for Adam and Eve, and we looked at the precision of the building of Eve. But thirdly, I want us to look at the presentation of Eve by God to Adam. The presentation of Eve by God to Adam in verse 22b. And he brought her to the man. The he there is capitalized, so he's talking about God. God brought Eve to Adam. Now notice something. Adam did not go out looking for a wife. God brought Eve to Adam. Now men, hold on here. Wait a minute. The fact that we men have a wife is not proof that we were all that desirable. God brought our wives to us as a precious gift. We didn't really go out after them. How many of you know if they hadn't wanted to come, they wouldn't have followed? God brought her to us. And just as God brought the animals to Adam, listen to me, don't lose me here, hold on here. Just as God brought the animals to Adam to see what He would name them, He brought Eve to Adam to see what He would name and call her. Thus our topic today, the wife you have made with your words. Now let's look number four. We've looked at God's purpose for Adam and Eve. 
We've looked at the precision of the building of Eve, the presentation of Eve by God to Adam. Number four, let's look at Adam's proclamation about Eve in verse 23. Adam's proclamation about Eve. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You see, though God is the one that gave Eve her life, He gave Adam the privilege of determining her purpose, character, and individuality and identity by what he would name her. What he named the animals is what they became. What he named Eve is what she would become. What he called Eve is what she would become. Can I give you a couple more meanings in Hebrew? The word name. What did we say it was? A mark of individuality, character, to appoint, purpose, or to determine. But the word called here, she shall be called woman. The word called here means in the Hebrew to call out or to invite. Now that's going to be important later on. Don't forget that. Called means to call out or to invite. He said, she shall be called woman. And the woman had a twofold name. I mean, this, this woman thing gets real complex. Man's man, Adam. Eve, called out, woman, invited. Eve, woman, woman, woman. Hebrew, woman, Isha. I-S-H-S. H-A-H. Let me spell that again. I-S-H-S-H-A-H. Woman meaning, in the Hebrew, Isha, meaning out of man. Now that's going to be important too for you to remember in a little bit. Out of man. What about Eve? Eve, in the Hebrew, means life giver. Eve means to declare or to show. I promise you we're going to come back, we're going to come back to all these Hebrew words and tie it all together and it's going to all make sense. Okay? Woman, Isha, out of man. Eve means life giver or to declare or to show. Now, let's look at number four, our fourth point of this scripture, of this text. Let's look at God's prescription for marriage. God's prescription for marriage. Verse 24 and 25. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, the King James Version says that a man shall what? Shall cling to his wife. Okay? Cling to. Now what does that mean? That means this. To follow hard after, to pursue hard after, or to catch by pursuit. Well, now, if she's already your wife, I can understand the cleaving thing. Cleave to her. Yeah, I can understand cleave to her, but what's that have to do with pursuing hard after, chasing after her? Catching her by pursuit if you've already got her. Guys, here's just a little help for us today. Just because God gave her to you does not mean you have her. The pursuit never ends. Guys, it will do you well. It will do me well to remember this. You will keep her by doing the same things you did to catch her. I said you will keep her by doing the same things you did to catch her. Come on, amen. Yeah, give the Lord praise, somebody. See, if you ever quit pursuing, you're going downhill. Well, I've got her now. Oh, do you? Just because you live in the same room, the same house, the same under the same roof doesn't mean you have her. More about that later, too. 
shall become one flesh. Shall become one flesh. The Hebrew word for flesh. I thought I knew what flesh meant until I read this. I found a new word that they didn't teach me at Dorman High School. The flesh means body. I'm all right with that. Nakedness. Skin. The pudendum. The who did what? I had to look that one up, y'all. And the pudendum is the external reproductive organs of either sex. The pudendum. They shall become one flesh. One pudendum. Now, I put all that together with this rocket science mind I've got. And I come to the conclusion that according to the Bible, from some other scriptures that I have known from the past, that according to the Bible, a man and a woman become one, are married, not when the preacher says, I do. Or when you sign the death, I mean, the, 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 the marriage license. But it's when the genitalia of the husband and the wife become so connected that they become one so as not to be able to distinguish one body from the other because they are so connected. And the only physiological possibility for two human beings to become one in the biblical sense is for one person to have a receptacle and one to have an insert. Bear with me. I am simple. I need help. Now, I've got two extension cords. Everybody get to fit. Y'all know where we're going with this, don't you? <laughs> I'll show you why same-sex marriage is an oxymoron. <laughs> if the biblical sense of being one flesh is joined at the pudendum, <laughs> then how can two... Female, female, it don't work. If one flesh is, means that you are so joined that you cannot distinguish one body from the other, male, male, it does not work. They are still two. I don't care what California or Vermont says. Huh? The only way that two can become, let's see here. The only, the only way that two can become one is for the male and the female to connect. Not the male and the male or the female and the female. Now, next time you use an extension cord, <laughs> you can think of old Brother Manning and his rocket science object lesson. God's desire for marriage is very clear. It's one man. And one woman. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now let's look at the practical application for husbands today. The practical application for husbands today. Where it comes to your words and your wife. Your wife has been brought 
by God to you to complete you. And guys, as long as we keep this old macho, I'm tough, I don't need nothing or nobody attitude, we will never get it. We'll just never get it. God brought her to you. Why? To see what you would call her. Don't miss this. He brought the animals to see what he would call them as a practice for Adam to see what he would call the most precious gift he would bring. And it's still happening today that God brings men, women, God brings husbands, wives to see what they will call them. Everybody with me? What you call her is what she will become. What you call her determines her, her identity, her purpose, her, her character. Your words are either producing wounds in your wife or value in your wife. What you call her determines whether she is going to be ashamed or safe. Covered or naked. God brought her to you for you to call out of her what He placed inside of her. See, God created her, but husband, you're the only one that can call out what's inside of her so that she can find her purpose and walk in her purpose for God and for her purpose for being. The word call means to invite. What are you inviting your wife to become? If you invite her to be the B word, that's what she's going to be. And don't you be surprised. That's what you're calling out. Another meaning of called is to encounter or to meet. Now, this is going to, you guys hold up your pants. I'm fixing to drop a rock in your pocket here. Okay? Some of you may have been married for many years, but you know what? You've never really met. You've never really had the encounter God wants you to. Because you have never called out her of her what God placed in her to call out. You don't know who she is. I tell, uh, Ann and I do marriage conferences, and we tell, we tell husbands all over the place. You know, there's men that know where every, every mole, every freckle, every wrinkle, every dent, and every bubble in their wife's body is. They know where every little thing physically is, but they ain't got a clue their wife's got a spirit. They don't even know how to minister. They don't even know she got one, much less how to minister to it. And have no idea that what their words are doing is, is wounding or are healing that spirit. And let me tell you this, guys. When you got married to your wife, I don't care if you got married when you were 17 years old, both of you got damaged goods in the deal. Three out of four women sitting in this congregation have either been abused verbally or sexually by the time they're a teenager by somebody they know. And there's wounds that are there. There's things that are there. There's baggage that's there. And it's the husband is the one who can bring the healing and call out who she really is, not who her drunk daddy said she was or her, her, her abusive uncle said she was or, or somebody on the schoolyard said she was. It's only the husband that can call out Isha out of that woman that God placed her to be. Unless you're calling out of her the things that God placed in her to call out, the real person inside of her has never been released. Not only do you not know who she is, she doesn't even know who she is. Based upon what we've seen, most of the ladies in this place today, you don't even know who you are. Your spirit is closed up because you said, nobody will hurt me again. Nobody will wound me again. Not even you, husband. You're, I, you Go ahead and say what you want to, but you're not going to penetrate my heart.
The only way a woman's spirit can be opened up is with words. Words. How do you minister to a woman? You know, guys are sight-oriented. You know, we are, we are microwaves. Women are crockpots. Words don't really excite us. What we see is excite, what excites us. And from the looks of some of us men, it's a good thing that what they see don't excite them. Because we are not like we were in our prime. <laughs> Things have fallen, fallen out, fallen off. I mean today, look right here. See that? See that little red spot? Bald-headed men do not have an advanced warning system. I never thought about it when I had hair, but when I was about to hit my head, I would stop because my hair would let me know that I was about to hit my head. But as we were leaving the hotel this morning, five minutes before church, I'm throwing stuff into the back of the car and the hood, the, the, the trunk starts falling down and I try to take the license plate off with my head. And I want to tell you that pl license plate was harder than my head was. I walked into the edge of a plane one time. I was going to fly somewhere with a friend of mine, and he had a plane in the edge of the wings, had these little corrugated holes, little diamond-shaped holes that were hollow all the way through the, the wing. And I walked into the wing, and as I got my composure, I looked, and there was meat packed up in that hole in the side of that. And I looked, and that's where the meat came from, a little diamond-shaped hole in my head. I don't know where I was going with all that. <laughs> oh. Unless you've had an encounter in the biblical sense of where you call out with your words what God has placed inside of her, you really don't know who she is and she doesn't know who she is either. Either. I'm going to ask you guys, guys, do you call life out of your wife? Do you speak life to her? Now deep inside your wife, in her heart, are some questions that if they're not answered by you, listen to me, I don't care if you've been married five years or fifty years, in, in, in every woman's heart are some questions that need to be answered that if they're not answered by you, husband, they're going to cause her to be ashamed, naked, unprotected, and unfulfilled. Not only in your presence, but in the presence of other men. Now what are the questions that your wife's heart longs for you to answer? First of all, do you delight in me? Every woman still wants to know that she still turns your crank and that you delight in her. That you'd rather be with her than anyone. Right there sits my best friend. I'd rather be with her than with anybody in this world. She knows I delight in her. Your wife's heart is asking, Am I beautiful? Am I beautiful? Every woman wants to know, do you think I'm beautiful? And guys, what did we talk to yesterday? When you're checking out other ladies, your wife is saying, what's wrong with me? I'm not enough. He's going to leave me. He's looking somewhere else. I'm insufficient. I'm not beautiful enough. Don't you think that, ladies? Yes. Yes. See, guys, I told you. <laughs> every heart of every lady in this place is asking the husband, will you fight for me? See, every woman still wants to be that damsel in distress and wait for her Prince Charming and her knight in shining armor to ride up and save her. 
Am I worth dying for? Is the question that she's asking. Am I worth dying for? No greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friends. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Dying for her? My Lord, we won't even get our boat out of the garage so she can put her car in there, much less die for her. We'll help her die. Listen to this. I don't care, ladies, if you're 80 years old, weigh 75 pounds, or, or, or 18 years old, or, 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 or if you're 90 years old and weigh 400 pounds. I'm going to tell you something. Inside every woman in this sanctuary, every one of you, inside of every one of you, there is a little girl that is saying, can my little girl dream still come true? When you were playing with dolls, you didn't play, let's play abuse mama today. No. You held little babies and you changed little diapers and you fed them with the bottle and they peed out the bottom and you had fun. You played house. You didn't play run and hide in the closet from crazy man. And inside of every woman in this place is a little girl. And you know what? She's asking another question. Can I twirl for you? Now I get a picture of a little girl in a little tutu. Getting up on the coffee table. Watch me, Daddy. Look, Daddy. Look, Daddy. Look, Daddy. You know what? How many of you got a boy? How many of you got a girl? Or if you got a boy, you never, you never see a boy trying to get his daddy's attention doing this. But a little girl, every time, a little girl will sit in daddy's lap, and daddy's trying to look around here, and every time, she'll look, daddy. She, little girl, boys don't grab daddy by the face. Little girls will grab daddy by the face and make him look, 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 daddy, look. Because see, little girls even know that if daddy ain't looking, he ain't listening. And I see a little girl, she's saying, Daddy, watch me twirl. Watch me twirl. Daddy, do I still make you happy? Girls, am I telling the truth? And then there's one final question that every woman in here, every wife in here is asking. She's asking you this, husband. Oh, she'll never verbalize it probably. And she will none, none of these. But in her heart, there's a question that needs to be answered. And if you don't answer it in the affirmative, she's going to remain unprotected and ashamed and naked. And the last one is this. Will you be with me till the end? Experience has proven that we guys, most guys, let your wife... Get breast cancer. Let your wife get terminally ill. Let your wife get to the place where you're going to have to have somebody to sit with her all the time and, and put the pudding on the spoon and put it in her mouth and change her diaper. And she gets sick and she can't perform sexually anymore. What do most guys do? Out the door and go find me somebody else that can do and meet my needs. You just don't meet my needs anymore. Whatever happened till, till death? Do us part for sickness and health and better and worse. But how many times do you see the faithful woman there with the old man that's got prostate cancer, can't do nothing, don't want to do nothing, he's sick and vomiting, throwing up on his deathbed, and who is there by his side? Not some hired nurse. It's the woman that's keeping her vows. See, men won't stay with women to the end. But most women will stay with their man to the end. And I've told this woman, 
I've told her verbally and I show her every day and try to show her every day that when it comes to the place, God forbid, that she ever gets sick and can't get out of the bed. And when she's about ready to take that first, that, that first step across Jordan to meet her maker, it's going to be my hand. It's going to be my hand holding her hand. Not some doctor, not her, not her brother. It's going to be my hand. I'm going to be with her till the end. And her hand's going to come out of my hand and go right into Jesus' hand. And I'm going to be there. And she knows that. And I know she'll be there for me. She's been with me through neck surgeries, back surgeries, and temper tantrums. <laughs> she went through a neck surgery where I had to wear this collar where they did an operation on my vertebrae and had to go through my throat here and put in a cadaver bone and a titanium plate and all this mess and put me in this collar for six weeks. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you, I know I'm not going to hell, but I went real close. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of those things where you cannot turn your head and you're in the car with your wife and she's driving and you can't look and see if something's coming before she pulls out? <laughs> she says it was hell. It was for both of us. I mean, you ever, try it going home today. Let your wife drive and you just look straight and don't look around. Don't tell her, don't tell her, try to help her. You'll, you'll, you'll be sweating bullets before you get to the restaurant. You'll be nauseated. You won't even eat. I dreamed, I'd wake up dreaming and my head was hung and stuff and I was being hung and stuff. It was, it was hell. It was hell. But she lived through it with me. She did. Now, now, guys, you may not even know that these questions even ever existed. But you have been answering them ever since you've been married to her. You have answered them by your words to her and what you've called forth out of her. Are you stupid? Why did I even marry you? You're just like your mama. Oh, God, don't ever say that. You're so foolish. Why don't, don't you understand anything? I remember one of the most hurtful things I ever said to Ann. It was the stupidest thing I've ever said in my life. She'd gone through a terrible divorce with a porn-addicted pastor for a husband. Not me. And about a year into our marriage, you know, she cried about everything. And I thought, well, you live with me. Why would you cry? <laughs> and she cried and cried and cried and cried. And one of these days, I said the dumbest thing I ever said in my life. Well, I thought you'd be healed by now. Ooh. 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 Set us back about four years. We're going to be married too. <laughs> you see, the problem with most of us husbands is that our answers are not in agreement with what God has placed inside of our wife. We need to call out what God's put in there. Now, what do I do? What do I do, Pastor Manning? What do I do? Well, let me give you some things to do. First of all, you're going to have to do what Adam did in verse 21. You're going to have to go to sleep in the will of God. How many of you have had surgery? Alright. Let me ask you a question. Before the doctor operated on you, did you uh, ask him to let you see his credentials? No. Before they tie that 
stupid little gown with no rear end in it around you and put you in that hard gurney with roll you to that ice box to lay there forever. And these folks come around you and they're, you don't see the doctor anywhere, but they just say, I'm the anesthesiologist and we want you to count to three. Did you say, did it even cross your mind to say, well, could I see the doctor? You don't know who operated on you. It could have been John the janitor. <laughs> you don't know. Did you see him? No, you just wake up in Nanala. You don't know what you don't know what they did to you while you were asleep. <laughs> you don't know what they did. You are you are out of it. You are asleep and you are at the mercy of the surgeon. And guys, we're going to have to do that too. We're going to have to realize that we're going to have to go to sleep in the will of God. And we're going to have to just leave matters in the hand of Dr. Jesus to help us to be the husbands that God wants us to be to our wives. We're going to have to relinquish the obsession to control and trust God that He's going to give us the grace to die to our greed and our selfishness. Boy, I'm going to tell you what. I heard, I heard it. You know what I just heard? I just heard the fabric tightening up in these seats as these men drew up when I said that. We don't want to relinquish control. We like our greed and our selfishness. We like only going where we want to eat and watch only what we want to watch on television and buying what we kind of car we want and live where we want, have friends we want over and doing everything that we want. We like that. That's being a man. That's my, my daddy was. Your daddy is the reason you is the way you is. told you it's not going to be real fun, but it ain't a prostate exam, so just kind of loosen up, all right? I think that's the closest to having a baby will ever come. Some husbands think this. I wish I had another wife. Don't you say amen now. I wish I had another wife. I'm here today to tell you something. I'm here today just to enlighten you. Guys, you can have another wife. You can have a brand spanking new wife. When? Wish you'd have come sooner, Pastor Manning. <laughs> I'll tell you when. When the words you speak to her change, she will change. Let me say that again. When the words you speak to your wife change, she will change. When your words become new, she will become new. Because you know what I found? Women are terribly forgiving. And if you want the marriage to work and be better, it doesn't matter what you have done to her in the past, she will forgive you because she still believes that deep inside of you is a hero even if you've been a zero. She wants to believe more than you want to believe. Somebody needs to hear this. If you have deflated her with your words, you have the God-given ability and responsibility to recreate her with your words. God gave her to you to see what you would call her. Is He pleased? Your wife is Isha. 
out of man. What's that mean, Pastor? It means she's waiting. The little girl inside of you. The dream woman inside of you. The princess inside of your wife. The woman that is inside of her that God placed in her to be. Her purpose, her identity, her character is inside of her waiting for you to call her out of your mouth. She's waiting to Isha come out of you. And she's going to come out when the words that come out of your mouth correspond with who God put her inside of her to be. Does this make sense? She's waiting to come out of your lips, out of your words. In Ephesians 5, 25 to 29, the Bible says that Jesus and the bride and the church and the husbandman, they are, or the husband, there's a correlation there. Have we got time to look at that? Look at, look at, look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians 5, 25 to 29. Ephesians 5, 25, 29. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, that, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. By the what? Word. By the Word. Now let me ask you something. It's clear here that there is a direct comparison with Jesus and his bride and, the ma and, a, and a man and his wife. Okay? Now how does the Bible say that Jesus washed his bride? Sanctified her with what? His Word. Is there anybody here that could wash yourself clean and sanctify yourself and remove all your wrinkles before Jesus got a hold of you? Anybody here? No. We were wrinkled, stained, ashamed, and naked. But how did Jesus wash us? With His Word. There is a correlation and a comparison with the husband and wife and Jesus in the church. If Jesus used His Word to sanctify His bride and remove her spots and wrinkles, how do you reckon He intends on husbands to sanctify their wives and remove their spots and wrinkles? Well, you old wrinkly, you old wrinkly spotted thing. Well, whose fault is it? Guys, listen. We must wash our wife with our words so that she can be without spot and blemish and presentable just like Jesus washed us with His words. What kind of words are you using? Are you wounding or washing your wife? For the, you the guys that weren't here yesterday, let me just share this. And for you that have heard it, it'll be a repeat. There's not a guy, there's not a husband in here that would allow another man to physically bathe your wife. Well, you'd jap slap him and knock him out. You would not let another man bathe your wife. There ain't no way. But you know what? It's happening every day emotionally. Your wife's at work. Her co-workers, Ooh, honey, that blue does look good on you. What perfume is that? I love that smell. I love it when you wear that. Your husband is the luckiest thing in this world. Oh, I bet it's wonderful being married to you. You smell so good. I just love it when you come to work. Washy, 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 washy. They're washing your wife 
You come home from work, and the words that come out of your mouth are, Why is the grass not cut? Where's my dinner? Are my clothes ever going to be clean? Is that washing her? Now, I know a woman's going to take a bath. A woman's going to be clean. She's going to gravitate to wherever she's going to get washed and get clean. I told guys yesterday, hey, hey, our underwear can stand up by itself in the corner. We'll just slide right into it preformed. It don't matter to us. We don't, wear, we don't, care. We don't care if it's hard, wrinkly, crusty, flaky. We'll wear dirty stuff. We'll go two or three days without a bath if we have to. Go out hunting, hunting. We love it. It's macho. Now, a woman ain't going to do that mess. Ain't no woman going to do that. No, no, sirree. Now, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about.